Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Otherwise, talking women here on SAFM. I'm Nancy Richards. The team today, Hazel Mikuzeni and Derek Fordyce. And first up on the show today, we have in our series on women's organisations, both at home and abroad, Agenda. It's the South African Women's Journal. We're going to be talking to a board member, Professor Reli Bohile Moritzani, to find out a little bit about its background and its present. Also hear about the new SABC series, I Am Woman, Leap of Faith, with co-producer Mickey Redlinghase. And after that, it's food. We're going to be talking to a foodie, uh, Anel Potkita, who's blogging under the very tempting title of Life as a Zoo Biscuit. And we'll also be talking a little bit about, uh, to, about how to eat to reduce stress. The, the things that are helped you will help you to reduce your stress. We'll be talking to nutritionist Leela Brook. So stay with us for all of that. But before we uh, get on with that, let's have a little bit of a, a look at what's news. Lots of, lots of news from women abroad, certainly. An Indian villager went on the rampage, I'm sure you've heard this horrendous story, went on the rampage with an axe uh, yesterday, killing nine women in a remote village in the state of uh, Chatsigar. Police said that the 35-year-old was apparently mentally disturbed after his wife left him, triggering the attacks. The victims were girls between the ages of two and nine, a 25-year-old woman and three women over the age of 60. The man was taken into custody and the axe recovered. Meanwhile, in Pakistan, a Pakistani housewife who cannot read or write despite being married to a school principal has made history by becoming the first woman approved to run for election in the Taliban-infested tribal belt. Badam Zari, her name is, she's 53, she has little chance of winning, but her enthusiasm has been seized upon as a step towards emancipation in one of the most conservative parts of Pakistan where women live in Purda and many are barred from even voting. She says, my passion is to educate the future generation, girls and women, and to serve them. I know I'm the first woman to contest, and I'm hopeful that I will win. I'm sure there are many women that are hopeful that she will win. In the UK, though, lesbians coming from conservative countries like Pakistan and Saudi Arabia seeking asylum there, according to a researcher, have been subjected to really inappropriate and insensitive, uh, and I quote, questioning from tribunal judges in a bid to ascertain whether the women really were gay and at genuine risk of persecution. It's, uh, it's assumed that they would lead the same kind of gay lifestyles as women might in the West, whilst in their own countries sex would really be discussed publicly, so putting these women in a, in a doubly difficult situation, I would imagine. In Australia, though, a former Vogue editor-in-chief, Kirsty Clements, has revealed some rather shocking insights into the fashion industry in a book called The Vogue Factor, just released. Like, for instance, that some of the models under serious pressure to stay really, really thin eat tissues just to save off the hunger pangs. Shame, hey? Clements was sacked last year after 25 years with a magazine, 30 of them as editor. I wonder if it was before or after she wrote the revealing book. Who knows? And just on food and on the health front, I see in today's Cape Times, uh, according to the UK Independent, that the five-second rule is that you can only eat something that's been dropped on the floor if it's been there for less than five seconds, after which it will apparently be crawling with bacteria. But somebody did a quick sort of snap survey and research of their own, and it seems that even after less than five seconds, the, the food was crawling with bacteria. So, as they suggest, before you pick up the kids' food that's been thrown on the floor and put it back on their plate, you might like to think about it twice, or maybe just clean your floors. And lastly on food, an interesting piece, this apparently, according to a piece in the, uh, in the New Age, uh, if you break bread together, you're less likely to break each other's necks. Well, there's a Dutch eating designer by the name of Maria Vogelsang 
who conducted something called the Eat Love Budapest experiment some years ago, one of uh, several food experiences and experiments, one of which is to use food as a way to trigger people's memories. And apparently some visitors to the exhibition who had lived through a war and on tasting the food that they hadn't eaten, these dishes, for 65 years, all their memories came rushing back. So there you go. Maybe if you just uh, eat something you haven't eaten for years, it might just bring back all sorts of wonderful memories. What a lovely idea. Don't forget, we're going to be talking about what to eat to reduce stress later on. So stay with us. It may even be a zoo biscuit. It's otherwise. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. Otherwise, on SAFM. Otherwise, it is here on SAFM. Don't forget, if you want to share anything, any stories, any information, snippets, tidbits, you're welcome to let us know where it's otherwise at safm.co.za, otherwise at safm.co.za. Or you can find us on Facebook, we're at uh, otherwise on SAFM. You can pop us your messages there. Well, first up in our series on women's organisations, institutes, museums, galleries, whatever, and if you've got any of those that you know about that you feel uh, need a bit of airing, let us know. Um, well, first up, we're looking a little bit at home today. We're hearing from Agenda. It's a women's journal based in Durban. I'm going to find out a little bit about who they are, what they do. We've spoken to them a number of times about various uh, various bits of, uh, of, of written material that they've um, that they've produced. But let's find out a little bit about who they are and why they were started. We have on the line one of the board members. She's Professor Rene Bokhile Moretzani. Hi there, Professor. Hi, hi. Nice to have you with us. Um, tell us a little bit about Agenda. How long have you been with it? Um, I've been with Agenda since 1998. Okay. But um, Agenda itself started long before that, in the late 80s. Okay. Um, last year it was um, uh, completing its uh, 25th year, actually, celebrating 25 years of being in existence. Okay, but it started in the 80s. Doesn't that make it a little yes. bit more than 25 years? Mm. Yes. Yes. What, okay. Wh- whenever when it started in the eighties, what was its purpose? It's um, it started. Um, it was started by a group of women um, who, during the liberation struggle, um, were concerned about the um, marginalisation of gender in the struggle. Because if you remember, um, during those days, if you talked gender equality, you were quickly chastised as taking uh, the focus away from the main struggle, which was a racial struggle, racial equality struggle. So these women got together um, to uh, start a dialogue, really, um, around the table in Durban, uh, around gender issues and equality issues for women. Who were they? Oh, they are long gone. Yes, like yes, I'm, no, I'm sure. I can't really yeah. remember who they were. I just, I just wondered um, what what sort of manner of women were they? Were they were they academics? They, were they, they writers? were a combination of academics, um, activists, gender activists, uh, people from the community, but uh, but but uh, mostly academics from the universities around Durban. Did they have um? I was going to say an agenda. Obviously, they had an agenda. Did they have uh? 
uh, a mission statement? Did they have some sort of mandate? It, it, it really started informally mm. in those days. Uh, as I say, it started, people went uh, around kitchen tables, they went from the boot of their cars, and then uh, later on it uh, developed into um, a, an organ- a formal organization and was registered as a Section 21 company, non, non, for, um, not for profit yeah. company. Okay. Right? Yes. And, and what was it, how did they propose that they could put women's issues on the table? How did they do it? Because it's very much a media organization, a sort of a journal organization yes. now. But back yes. then? Um, it, it, um, it started uh, publishing almost immediately. Um, but the, the agenda itself as an organization called Agenda uh, Feminist uh, Project. Um, and, and the journal is just one of, of the projects that, that it does. There are other projects that the organization is engaged in. And right from the beginning, the women realized that in order to, um, to, to, to privilege women's voices, they will have to do more than publish, mm. but to offer women a space where they can talk among themselves where they can develop ideas before they um, go to the public to air what their views, so to speak. And is that still happening? Pardon? Is that still happening? Yes, that is still happening. So our main um, uh, activity is still the journal. We publish a journal four times a year on different current issues. But um, we are also um, proud of what we call our feminist dialogues, where we um, call together a group of women around the country to discuss um, current issues ranging from sexual violence against women to the um, gender equality bill that's currently in, in, in progress. And actually, our next feminist dialogue will be held next week, Friday. So this is to bring together women in a safe space where they can debate these things um, uh, before uh, we engage in in the broader public spectrum. Who can join? Can any woman come and be part of what Agenda is doing? Oh, definitely. We, we, We send invitations to all sorts of organizations. So we we work with grassroots organizations as well-established NGOs, but our main concern is to include those voices who, who, who are not normally included in these kinds of discussions. So we are concerned to include uh, grassroots organizations, individuals from those organizations, so anybody can join. Giving space to the voices that are not normally heard, what are their main concerns in terms of gender equality? Um, currently, it's um, according to media reports and our experience, of course, um, the so-called gender, uh, uh, gender-based violence is, mm. is what is concerning us most now. But of course, that happens within a context of um, gender inequality in the broader society generally. And so um, we discussed issues of 
the constructions of masculinities and femininities and 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 how that breeds this environment of gender inequality that in turn breeds a fertile ground for sexual and other kinds of violence between uh, against women and girls. It seems, you know, going back to the gender-based violence, which, as you say, in the context of gender inequality, it almost it's almost like a brick wall that women have to get over to be able to move forward. Is that is that do you do you relate to that? I think that is precisely what it is. But but I don't think it is only women who need to get over it. I think mm-hmm. the whole society needs to get over that wall, and and and. It, 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 our starting point is with the women, but obviously we recognize the importance of them engaging the rest of society to say, let's find ways of getting over this war um, and redefining uh, masculinities and femininities in our society. You know, it's obviously it's empowering women for gender equity is your your sort of tagline. Yeah, but, yes. but did you accept men's input? I mean, you know, one sort of feels that we need to move together here. Oh, definitely. Mm. Um, one of our board members, <laughs> editorial board members, is a man, and and of course we, uh, in the journal, we 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 um, accept um, articles uh, written by men from a men's perspective. And in the um, in in other fora like the radio program, we also have the radio program. Um, we accept the the input from men. Okay, and I think that you've got uh, you've got an event coming up at the Diaconia Centre next Friday. But are you? I'll, I'll get the details of that in just a minute. But are you a, a Durban-based organisation that operates nationally, or do you co- concentrate your efforts in the Durban area in KZN? We are we are a Devon-based um, organisation which operates nationally. Okay. For example, if we are launching one of our journal of our journal issues, we try and have launches in the major cities, Cape Town and uh, Pretoria or Johannesburg, just to spread the the, the reach of the of the organisation that way. Yes, absolutely. Um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about fr- next Friday. I think it's between 9 and 2.30 at the Diaconia Centre there in Durban. Safe Cities for Women. This is a dialogue. This is one of our feminist dialogues I, I referred to earlier. And um, we, we are looking at um, the, one of the current issues is the, the Safer Cities initiative. And um, we have a lineup of of speakers, but we've also um, invited women from, as I said, grassroots organizations, mm-hmm. well-established NGOs, academics from the universities to to the event. Yeah, well, it should be interesting to hear the outcome of that. I think it's your fourth feminist dialogue. Look forward to perhaps coming along to one when you're in Cape Town next. So I think if anybody would like to know more how they contribute to the work that you're doing, either through your radio or your journal, or being by part of the dialogues, can I give the website? Is that the best way to contact Agenda? Yes. Um, the, the website is um, www.agenda.org.za. Super. Well, let me repeat that. Professor, thank you very much and very best of luck with the uh, the next uh, 20, 30 odd years of agenda. Thank you for joining us.
Take Thank care. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you. Professor Reliboh Hile Moletsani, and she's a board member at Agenda. Well, don't forget, if you would like to find out more about them, agenda.org.za. The next Feminist Dialogue is coming up next Friday at the Diaconia Centre in Durban. And don't forget, if there's a women's organisation group, no matter how small or large, in your area or that you know of, either in South Africa or elsewhere in the world, let us know where it's otherwise at safm.co.za. In the Saturday play this week, Jerry Mufu King speaks to Gertrude Shop. But I just followed them from afar, followed them from afar, until we got to the station, until we all got into the train. And you know people can always talk when they're in the train. Then I started hearing what they were talking about and what the problems were all about and so forth. And of course it was nothing else but the oppression of this country. Just as women of this country, so it's sort of I felt, yeah man, this is what the women in America were doing. This is what these women here are doing. So why not join them? Don't miss under the skin. Jerry Mufu King in conversation with Gertrude Shope this Saturday evening, just after the 7 o'clock news. It's otherwise here on SAFM Talking Women. Well, also Talking Women is our next guest. She's Mickey Redlinghase, and she's uh, the co-producer of a series called I Am Women, Leap of Faith. I'm sure you know them. It's a television series here on SABC, SABC 3, and they're just about to launch into a second series, another 26 weeks. Well, we've got Mickey on the line. Tell us a little bit about it. Hi, Mickey. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very well. Um, 26 weeks, so that's another 26 women's stories. It seems that there's an infinite supply of women leaping in faith. Well, there's an infinite supply because there are so many inspiring women in this country. And, you know, as discussed in your last uh, interview, so many challenges. And yeah. we're constantly having to leap and jump through hoops. And that's what we do. Is that what you're looking for when you're looking for candidates for these stories? Are you looking for women who have confronted challenges? Absolutely. People have confronted challenges and most often turn those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Yeah. Is there a th- I mean, your first series, uh, many varied women with very, very different stories. Is there a particular theme for this series or is it more women? No, we don't have a theme, but... Uh the binding factor or the key to every story. When we, when we find interesting profiles of interesting women, we always ask, was there a leap? Was there something that prompted this woman to, to take, a, take a different direction? Mm. And the, well, presumably the answer is, it's always yes for the ones that you've chosen. But sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily happen like that. No, um, I think all of us probably leap... Um, all the time. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're very big and they, there's a turning point in our lives and from that moment, from that particular decision, everything changes. Um, but sometimes it's a very gradual process. So a leap is not always necessarily one single decision. It might be a series of, of decisions which lead to change. Can you give us an example? Um, yes. Um, We'll be, we'll be launching our new series on Sunday with a profile on Andrea Lewis. Um, Andrea was born with very limited hearing. She was profoundly deaf, in fact. 
and her parents made a decision to not send her to a school um, that specialised in people with, with hearing challenges. She went to a, to a mainstream school, studied, did very well. Um, you know, she really embraced the fact that she couldn't hear and that was part of her identity. And then she reached a point where she felt that she was being professionally compromised um, and, and decided to have a cochlear implant, which, which was a very difficult decision for her because she actually, her whole identity was very determined by not being able to hear and suddenly she was making this very big change. So that is, that is one example. Um, another example, Mamela Nyamza, who will be our next episode, very talented dancer and choreographer, made a very big choice in how she decided to live her personal life but also professionally left the safety of dance company and um, decided to pursue a career as a solo solo artist and solo performer. So very different choices. Yes, I'm sure many different choices and I'm sure very difficult to narrow it down. How long is each story, uh, Mickey? How long is the story and how long does it take you to elicit that story? Um, each episode is 24 minutes. Um, when you say elicit the story, our the most important part, I think, of our process is the research process. Yeah. So Lisa Chayat, who's an experienced journalist and also the series host, and Antoinette Engel, our chief researcher and production manager, they manage the research process. They spend a lot of time with the subjects before the directors go out into the field. Um, so... The pre-production is, is really very important, and then the, the actual shooting process is two to three days. Well, it's quite a journey, isn't it, for each and every one, and you've done 26 of them. I imagine it's kept you all very busy. Mickey Redlinghouse, thank you very much. So if I'm not mistaken, I think the first one of the new series starts this Sunday at 9.30 on SABC3. Is that right? Yes, it does, and we have a repeat on Monday evenings at 11.30 for okay. the Night Owls. And um, we also broadcast on our website, on YouTube. So the day after our television broadcast, you can also watch it on www.iamwomanseries.com. And there's an opportunity for you to share your story. So if you log onto mm. our website, you can also follow the route and share your story if you have yeah, time. And, and be inspired. Wow. Yes. Lovely. Mickey, thank you so much. Very thank best you. of luck. Look forward to seeing the series. Thanks thank you very you. much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Mickey Redlinghouse there, co-producer with Lisa Chiat of I Am Woman Leap of Faith and they do start on Sunday the 27th. Want to share your story here a little bit more? www.iamwomanseries.com iamwomanseries.com Well, in a minute we're going to be moving to the news headlines but just before we do I thought we'd give you a little nibble of what's to come. We're actually going to be talking in a minute to Leila Brook. She's a registered dietitian all about five steps to eating to reduce your stress. But I couldn't resist having a little nibble of the zoo biscuit because in the studio right now we have Anel Potheater. She's a food blogger and her blog is called Life is a Zoo Biscuit. It's me, Anel. Where did you get such a title? <laughs> I love zoo biscuits. And last year I was a bit depressed. After my MasterChef, um, they kicked me out of MasterChef. <laughs> And um, Zubiscuit has got this warm, give me this warm, fuzzy feeling in my stomach. And I just ate lots of them for about a month or two. And then afterwards, um, I realized I must talk about food and I started my blog. And it's life is a Zubiscuit. To release your sugar rush. Yes. <laughs> is, would you call that, I mean, interesting to hear what Mickey mm. was saying earlier, that so many women, you know, take a complete sort of 
change of direction as a result of something, would you call being thrown out of MasterChef your leap of faith? It is definitely, it was a catalyst for whatever mm. happened to me after that. Yes, definitely. A good catalyst? Absolutely, a brilliant catalyst. Okay. If it wasn't for MasterChef, I wouldn't have started blogging. Mm. And it was a negative experience that turned into an extremely positive experience. Okay. Have you given up the zoo, eating the zoo biscuits? So you Yes. I'm just thinking that must have raised your blood sugar level. <laughs> Something rotten. Never mind. I picked up lots of weight as well. <laughs> what, what, what have you? What do you eat as an alternative? <laughs> um, a tin of caramel. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're incorrigible. Clearly. Well, we're going to hear a whole lot more about life as a zoo biscuit. Is a zoo biscuit just in, in a minute? We're talking to Anel Potkita, but before that, we're going to be finding out how you can eat to reduce your stress. And isn't that something to know? But right now, something to know is the news headlines. One thirty here on SFM with Carmen Ready. Thanks, Nancy. World footballing body FIFA, the South African Football Association and the South African government have agreed to establish an independent judicial commission of inquiry into irregularities in friendly matches ahead of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. The South African Navy want to revamp its base in Durban, largely to combat the threat of piracy on the East Coast. The Navy has been sending frigates from Simonstown, about 1,500 kilometers further west, to the Mozambique Canal on anti-piracy patrols. And members of the National Union of Mine Workers are on strike at South Africa's biggest platinum producer, Richards Bay Minerals. Workers are demanding a pay hike of 25 rand an hour from the current 17 rand, a provident fund and proper grading. These are more stories all coming up at 2 o'clock. Thanks very much, Carmen. But right now you're listening to Otherwise, Talking Women. I'm Nancy Richards. And uh, in a minute, we're going to be chatting once more to uh, an El Potheater to find out what life beyond the zoo biscuit. But first, we have on the line Leela Brook. She is a registered dietitian, nutritional consultant in private practice in Ilovo, just FYI. And the other day, I was reading about uh, the right foods that you could eat to help you reduce your stress. So we thought we'd get some more information from that. And Leela seems to be just the right person because she, too, has written an article on five steps to reducing stress, I think. Lila. Um, Lila. Lila, Hi, um, hi Nancy. Yes, it's on how to beat nutritional uh, stress from a nutritional point of view. Okay. Um, so ways you can adjust your diet in order to improve your body's response to stress. Okay, well let's start. How to beat stress from a nutritional point of view. What, sure. what do you eat? What do you give up? Well, the first thing that is very important is to make sure that one gets enough B vitamins in one's diet. Um, and B vitamins, those are found in your whole grains, so things like your bran cereals, low GI breads, also in poultry, so chicken, turkey, um, and also in milk or dairy products. And what the B vitamins do is they help your body to respond to stress better. So it's not going to help you to have less stress, obviously, but it will help your body to respond to stress in a, in a better way so that it doesn't affect you quite as much and the body it doesn't take as much of a hit basically, put it that way. So that is something that definitely is very important to include. Can you, just before you move on, helps your mm. body to respond to stress better yes. by doing yes. what? By boosting? Well, it does boost your immune system. Okay. But it also helps from the point of view of various sort of hormone cascades in the body and the different physiological responses in the body to actually allow the body to sort of bounce back better or stress to actually not affect the body to such an extent. Okay. So it helps on a physiological level. You'll probably still feel stressed, but at least your body will be able to respond to that stress in a way that it won't actually affect one's health. Okay, so enough vitamin B of the B vitamins. How yes. much is enough? 
Well, ideally you want to be making sure that you are including those sorts of foods in your diet on a daily basis, or you can always take a B vitamin complex supplement. Okay. Okay, so tick vitamin B. Okay, yes. next. <laughs> <laughs> then um, what is very important is a lot of people find when they're under stress that um, they tend to develop a lot of digestive issues hmm. and um, be this constipation, bloating, etc. And a big part of this or a big reason for this is because stress puts one into that fight or flight response your adrenaline levels increase. And as a result, when your adrenaline levels have increased, the body moves blood to your extremities, so away from the gut, and as a result, once again, constipation can result. And that's why fiber is so important when you're under stress to make sure that you are still keeping your system regular and preventing these sorts of potential digestive consequences. So mm-hmm. things like getting enough, once again, of the whole grains, fruits and vegetables, keeping the skin on of the fruits and vegetables that you get that fiber from there as well, that's also very important and very beneficial. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about, you know, when you're under stress and everything's going wrong in your life, it, you know, sometimes you don't feel like eating, sometimes you feel like eating. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, one or the other. You either eat too much yes. or you don't eat at all. And I suppose, yes. well, is, there a, is there a good, is it good to eat when you're under stress or is it better maybe not to eat when you're under stress? I find that it's, um, whether people eat or not under stress depends on the type of stress. So mm. in the case of emotional stress and someone's feeling very upset or down, often that's when people eat more. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, like a time pressure stress, say for example a high workload, that's when they would be more likely to not eat because they actually you know, don't have time or it doesn't occur to them because they're so busy. But what is important is whether, regardless of whether you want to eat more or less, it's important to still try and keep to some structure to prevent you from going to either extreme. So still trying to have your five to six small meals a day still trying to focus on a balance in each meal and also to be aware of those sorts of cravings related to stress. So if you are feeling down and you're craving a whole bucket of ice cream, (laughs) then rather to make sure that you still are focusing on healthy meals, still give yourself those important nutrients first before you go for the treats that you may be craving. Okay, so you've got to talk to yourself, talk around these things. So vitamin B tick, digestive issues tick and... Well, also falling in a bit with the fiber is that water is very important. But often when mm. one's under stress, you know, you're not thinking about drinking water. You might be thinking about drinking wine. <laughs> so it is important to make sure that one is still drinking enough. So to have still your stool about eight glasses of water a day. And that will help once again from the point of view of keeping your digestion regular. Also, just generally one feels better. When, you know, when you drink enough water, really, you do feel more energized healthier, etc., which is very important when you're under stress, you want to be feeling as healthy as possible. And you're a, still a proponent of the eight glasses of water? Well, if one wants to get very precise about it, you can do a calculation where you take your weight in kilograms and multiply it by city. So, for example, someone who weighs 60 kilograms, that times city would be 1,800. And that's technically how many moles you need a day. So um, that would mean you need to have 1.8 litres of water a day if you weigh 60 kilos. If you weigh 70, it would be 2.1 litres, etc. So you want to get very precise with it. But a good way is just to kind of uh, recommend, say, eight glasses or six to eight glasses a day, at least in a covers most yeah. spaces. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Next. Um, so then also in terms of exercise, which is not necessarily directly, obviously it's not what you eat per se, but a very important part of the whole equation. Um, exercise is so essential from the point of view of reducing stress levels. It really does help to just clear one's mind and really just sort of set things straight again. But also from the point of view of actually on, once again, a physiological hormonal level, 
it does help to reduce your cortisol levels. And cortisol is a hormone that is directly related to stress, which tends to be elevated in times of stress. So by exercising regularly, you're preventing that issue from coming up. So it really does help to just control your stress levels and just to make you feel centered again. Okay. And number five? Um, and then number five is to get enough omega-3s. So that's being found in fatty fish, walnuts, flaxseeds. Um, and once again, that has a hormonal um, or physiological role in terms of reducing stress or reducing the body's response to stress. Um, and it's very important for all sorts of other things, so in terms of brain health, skin health, etc. Specifically from a stress point of view, it is very important. Okay. Flax seeds, walnuts, not on your everyday shopping list. What else no. has got <laughs> omega-3 that's more accessible perhaps? Well, as I said, the fatty fish, so mm. that'll be things like mackerel, salmon, pulchards, herring. Anything that's um, tinned? Anything tinned, did you ask? Yeah, uh, yeah um, I mean, f- f- tinned fish. Uh, well, if you having, well, if you have fresh tuna, like a tuna steak that has omega-3s, tinned tuna doesn't have such a high quantity of omega-3s, but you could go for, say, your tinned sardines, tinned pulchards, that would have a high omega-3 content. Okay. So that's so omega three. It's one of those things that get you know we see you know little bottles and jars and, and pharmacies saying omega three. Yeah. You've got to have you it. You can sure you can mm. have a supplement as well. Obviously, the food is always the best choice, but certainly the supplements come a very close second. Okay, so those are five. I just want to come back to the issue when you mentioned the B vitamins and poultry being yes. very good. One of the yes. things we heard about poultry uh, just the other day, I think it was on this program or maybe the Enviro yes. show, that very often poultry is injected with vast amounts of brine to plump up its, yes. its weight, which yes. is in consequence full of salt, which is going to raise up yes. your blood pressure and increase yes. or worsen your stress. Yes. Um, well, the high salt content won't necessarily increase your stress, but obviously if you're okay. prone to high blood pressure um, and you're now having a high salt intake from the brine, then sure, that is an issue. Um, but, um, you know, I think this is unfortunately a problem with generally with the meat and the poultry production in South Africa, never mind the donkey meat scandals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that, mm-hmm. that we don't 100% know what, what practices are being used in the production of our meat. And the best thing that one can do as a consumer is actually complain. If you find that you buy a chicken and it shrinks by half its size when you've cooked it, then you know that that's an unfortunate issue. But if there is a concern and you do suspect that, say, the chicken you're eating has been plumped up with brine, then that's where, once again, either a B-complex substance can come in or to get those B vitamins from other sources. You know, just the very fact that we're talking about blood pressure and that very often people who have got blood pressure are constantly worrying about yes. it. And I suppose all of us, one way or another, yes. are worrying about our health, which in turn leads to stress. Is yes. it just in terms of eating, I remember somebody once saying you shouldn't eat when you're unhappy or, or yes. cross or stress. Or, sure. Are there ways in which you can eat that's going to help your stress? I mean, should you eat at certain times of day, in certain conditions, with or without certain people? Yes. Um, well, if you have certain people that you feel are bad influences on you, then oh, it's a good idea one. to avoid them, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> might not always be popular or make you very popular or very social. Um, but what you do need to ideally do is try and keep the same structure to your day in terms of eating, especially if you know that you're under a lot of stress. So maybe set an alarm on your cell phone that will go off every three hours to remind you to have a meal or a snack that you don't end up missing meals and then end up grabbing anything that you find because you're so hungry. Um, also, what does help is to 
you know, to be aware of your environment. So obviously eating in front of the TV is only going to make you eat more. And often that's something that people tend to do a lot of when they're under stress because they catch you up on the news while they're eating, while they're doing something else. And really trying as much as possible to sit and focus on your meal makes a big difference as well. And also obviously from a weight point of view, it makes you more satisfied with what you're eating and therefore you end up eating less. Rather than eating the whole bag of popcorn, for example, while watching a movie, you get to the end of the bag and it's over before you even realize. Yeah, yeah, so focusing on your meal helps. Just lastly, um, Lila, uh, bananas. I believe that they are terribly good for all sorts of reasons. Can you tell us why? Um, well, bananas have potassium in them, which um, does is an electrolyte and is very important for keeping the body's fluid levels in balance. Um, also, they do have fiber in them, so once again, that is an advantage. And they, so from the point of view of digestion, and they also are very convenient, which is a, you know, which one can't underestimate in terms of it doesn't need to be washed or anything like that. Mm. And they also are a quick source of carbohydrates. They have a relatively higher GI glycemic index so they're very good for say after a race for those people who are the comrades or two oceans people great for after a race or during um so for people who are very active or sporty it should say think that potassium which they may have lost really through sweat and then also as well as providing that those quick carbohydrates bring their glucose levels up so it definitely is very advantageous from that point of view from a weight point of view though if you have a large banana it's often it ends up being quite a lot of carbohydrates, if not too much, for one snack. And that's why it's advisable to always buy the small bananas that you're keeping it to, to sort of one fruit portion as opposed to two at a time. Or maybe share it with your best friend. Okay. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Lovely, Lila. Absolutely fascinating. There's some really good advice there. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll it's speak pleasure. again. Thanks, thank you. Take yes, care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Lila Brooke is a registered dietitian with lots of uh, lots of nutritional advice there. And if you'd like to check her site, it's www.lilabrook.co.za. And we'll put it up on our Facebook page, lilabrook.co.za. So if, you, if you're weight watching, maybe just share your bananas. And if you do put them in your bag as a, a handy snack for during the day, don't forget them because they make a nasty mess <laughs> if you do. Well, we're staying with food because we have, as I mentioned earlier, Anel Pochita in the studio with me. Food blogger Life is a Zoo Biscuit is the name of her blog, if you'd like to check it out. She's been making notes, as have I, frantically, as Lila was talking. Interesting, all of that, wasn't it? Very interesting. I've ticked off a few things, and I'm Mm. glad that she's mentioned that um, the vitamin omega, if you get it in a tablet form or in a capsule form, that it's okay, because I was wondering about that. I drink mine every day. Omega-3. Yeah, my Omega-3. And then I take the water and the fiber. So, yeah. So you're on the right path. I'm on the right path. I don't think I'm stressless, but I'm definitely... The f- according to her, I'm doing some of the right stuff. Good, good. What we've got to do is run around the block <laughs> and you'll be nearly there. <laughs> Life as a zoo biscuit. We yeah. heard earlier why it started, but what is your theme? There are lots of foodie mm. blogs out there. What, what is your USP? What makes you different? Mm. I think what makes me different, um, everything that I blog about is about emotion. Mm. It is Everything triggers my emotion. I blog about it. Like last week, um, I was thinking about Madiba and about his health and it was all over the newspapers and that made me think about Sam it's one of his favourite dishes and I took Sam and I cooked it in the way I want it but it was an emotive thing that made me cook so every recipe or everything that's on my blog or photograph it comes from my heart 
very much so. And, yeah, I think that is the philosophy, or that's what I think it is at the moment. Okay, so it's very much in your head. Interesting yeah. that, um, interesting that and, uh, Lila was talking about um, cravings, and, and I think, and you confess your, mm. your zoo biscuit craving, that, you know, that sometimes you can think, what I really feel like right now is, ah, uh, whatever it may be. But for you, it's actually now, what am I feeling in my head? What am I thinking about? Yes, and what whatever uh, stimulates my creativity, I will see. There's a lady in in Europe, um, I, I can't remember her name now, but she's a very well known fashion forecaster, and um, Lindiwe Edelkrut, and I follow her blog oh, and some Lee Edelkrut. Yes, yes, she is just fascinating mm. woman, and I follow her blog, and she that that she she she. Um, said that yellow last year is going to be the fashion color. So it made me think about yellow. And I did lots of yellow dishes. If you go through to my blog, she influences me. So it's not just coming home. People think blogging, you go come home, you put a dish up and you take a pic. There's a lot of thought process and research going into doing something really, really nice and what people's going to find interesting to read. Mm. Let's stay with yellow. So what did you cook that was yellow? I did a mango salad. Beautiful, beautiful mango salad with um, marigolds. Hmm. I heard um, that you can eat marigolds. So I planted a few in my herb garden. And when these beautiful yellow flowers came up, I made this beautiful dish with marigolds. There was melon in there. There was spun speckier, melon, and mango. It was absolutely delicious. Mm, And a warm yellow. Yes, yes, a warm yellow. Yeah, so yeah. So, and then uh, colors like red, strawberries, it just pops out at me and it just, then you, then I get completely inspired and I just want to cook. (laughs) Aside from making a better better looking picture Mm. that you're going to put on your blog, Mm. they do say that, you know, the, the more brightly colored your food is, Possibly the more nutritious it is. I'm not sure if that's true, but um, red peppers, for instance, I mean, it doesn't mean they've got to be sort of coloured with uh, with artificial flavourings. But, yes. but any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think that's true. But I think a green apple is also nutritious. You know what I'm saying? So, and a yellow um, uh, banana is nutritious. But I think all veggies are quite bright and beautiful. It's only the poor mushroom that got the different greyish colour and it's not so nutritious now that you say have I got vitamin B in it um, no idea oh, okay. 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 okay well if you know if you know yeah. the answer to that let us know <laughs> give us a call 0892 10 2010 has uh, uh, mushrooms got any vitamin B in mm. it let us know on that one so what do you, so do you do it every day? Do you come home at the? Have you got another job, a day job as well? Yes, I've got a day job. Mm-hmm. I'm head of communications of our architectural firm in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm busy eight to five there, and then I blog basically um, after hours. I will cook something. If if I feel I want to blog about it, I will take the photographs the next day so most of the stuff that you see on my site is ice cold although it looks very hot but you <laughs> normally take afterwards when the light is right I don't have a studio so I will rush outside and set up a table and as soon as the sun comes out a little bit then I'll quickly take photographs and the rest happens over the weekend takes a lot of your time and that's where passion yeah. comes in do you find uh, people respond to it and does that trigger other things 
Absolutely. I got the most beautiful letters from people. Um, there's this one lady in Pumalanga, and I've inspired her to start blogging, helped her in a way. And there's a lot of people that I give advice to with photographs and with um, with styling. I'm not a stylist, a professional stylist myself. I'm not a professional photographer, and I'm not a professional journalist. Blogging is like trying to put all those three in a type of way that people enjoy it. So there's a lot of people that follow you and ask you advice, and they rely on you in a way, and I'm quite surprised about that. Mm. Yeah. And maybe you maybe you stimulate them, because yeah. I suppose one of the things is, you know, you come home and you're ready to cook something and blog something and get excited mm. about it, but other people, they come home and they just, you know, just not interested because yeah. it's got too much trouble. Mm. So are you trying to encourage people to get a little bit more excited about it? Yes, definitely. That's part of my blog. Um, I like to do cook with different ingredients, not different ingredients, but like samp, something that we have in our cupboards and it's very cheap. Give us a samp recipe. We've got a minute. <laughs> okay. I've got a samp. I've got actually two recipes that I really enjoy. Remember, one is a type of an Asian one where you just put this. You cook the samp to al dente. You put it in a pan, but you, the, I first roasted some tomatoes in the oven and some onions and aubergines. I will just put that in between the samp, and then I'll put like lime juice over it and some soya juice and pepper, black pepper and molten salt, and just mix it all together. I treat samp and like you pop a chickpea. It back in the oven. No, you just warm it up in your pan okay. with beautiful olive oil oil and so because all the other veggies has been roasted in the oven and you just mix it all beautifully together I treat the samp as like a chickpea our African little chickpea and just cook it al dente and it absorbs all the flavours I hope you got that Asian (laughs) samp it sounds delicious, onions, tomatoes aubergines all roasted in the oven a bit of olive oil, cook your samp till it's al dente and then Mix together with all. olive oil, a bit of a bit of soya sauce, a bit of lime juice, chili flakes, whatever ever makes you happy. Proving that life yeah. is not just a zoo biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> and now, thank you very much. Let me give out your site if anybody would like to check it out and find out a little bit more about your samp and all the other things, and especially the mango and marigold salad. How yummy does that sound, especially for a Friday? And El Popkita, thank you very much. Thank you very much. www.lifeisazoobiscuit.com. Lifeisazoobiscuit.com. And here on otherwise...